Hello and welcome to From the Recrind. Uh, my name's John. It is it's a week since last we podded and a week since last Watford won a FA Cup semi-final. Uh, I'm back actually where I finished the day at the Railway Arms. Um, Jason and Mike are going to uh, catch up me after the game today, which of course is a home game uh, Monday night against Arsenal. But at the moment I'm joined by Lana Burney. Hello John. And <laughs> deep breath and... Yeah. Uh, it's nice of the Premier League to give us an extra day to get over the semi-final before we have to play in <laughs> trifling league fixtures, you know? No, I, I actually really wanted to see another Watford game uh, by Wednesday. Like, I want something more, I want something more. It's been a great week. How many times do you reckon you've watched either uh, uh, Delefeu's uh, goal or the highlights? I think the most watched clip is Kapu jumping out of the way of the crossfield <laughs> yeah. pass. I think that's, uh, that's the moment for me. There's just something about this team that couldn't endear himself to me more than in that particular moment. Delafeo's goal was all right, though, wasn't it? <laughs> I suppose. Well, I, I, I haven't found out yet, and I don't let anyone ask, is what did Matt say to him to get out of the way? He goes out the way and he just dove to the floor did this like little thing they do in training where they all dive to the floor I'm going to be slightly unkind but to be able to predict where one of Matt's passes is going to go in order to jump out of the way of it yeah. is it puts it on another level for yeah. me <laughs> it was a risky business and it, the risk paid off sort of uh, but it, it was such a, um, a, a fantastic win we did a podcast with you last year uh, 8.35 um, where we look back at your book uh, Watford 100 Greatest Wins we tried to see which Pozzo games would, would make it A into the 100 but um, roughly where would they, they sit and we, we put a few in not not a lot but we put a few in the, the, the Leicester go, uh, game with the, the Deeney goal was, was, was in the top 5 we said we never actually placed it we said the sort of top 5 but what is it about that game that is not... Let's not talk about where it's going to go quite yet, Lionel, but that game last week, what is it about that game that, that makes it a greatest game? Not just, is it just the fact it's a semi-final? No. Obviously, a semi-final of an FA Cup for us is... It, what, what's the realistic goal for a Watford supporter? It's to see the team win a trophy, isn't it? And there's only really two realistic opportunities to see that. And the most prestigious of those two opportunities is the FA Cup. And we've only ever reached the final once. It comes around every 35 years, I think. I don't want to count up how old I'll be the next time. <laughs> but it's history. And I've been to losing semi-finals. Some where I thought we had a chance and some where I thought we were the real outsiders. And even if we got through, we wouldn't have a chance of winning. Now, we may not have a chance of winning here. But to reach an FA Cup final, and one way or the other, one way or the other, be part of history, either stopping Manchester City's quadruple or treble or whatever it is they're going for, or winning, uh, well, and winning the FA Cup, or just being part of that day is something that I've wanted for 35 years since missing out on a ticket for 84. I went to the semi-final at Villa Park against Plymouth Argyle, but between my dad and I, we didn't have enough ticket stubs or vouchers to get a final ticket. I think we've never really talked about this, me and my dad, about what were the actual circumstances surrounding our failure to get a cup final ticket. But I suspect he had enough vouchers for one ticket, but not enough for two. And he chose not to go to the final on his own because he would have been leaving me at home. And so for me personally, there's a whole lot of emotion and kind of ties all wrapped up and built up in this game. 
um, the fact that we won the semi-final having lost the previous one against Crystal Palace when it, I had to remind myself we were higher in the league than they were that day and so I'm imagining that every Watford supporter who was there on Sunday has a similar type of story they either weren't alive the last time um, Watford reached an FA Cup final the only time Watford reached an FA Cup final or there'll be some kind of story and these are the things that make football matter to people it's not about the quality of the passing the quality of the goals the, the way the team plays we've supported teams that have been frankly dreadful with the same depth of feeling as we support this team and so it, it kind of transcends everything it wraps up with a lovely yellow and red ribbon yellow and black ribbon <laughs> um, what, what it means to be a football supporter and in our case what it means to be a Watford supporter you wrote a very tight ribbons you wrote a very lovely blog piece um, about your day and you've, you've got you've, is it in your pocket it's my, there my yellow ribbon now before the teams came onto the field for the quarterfinal against Crystal Palace um, some yellow ribbon basically burst down from the roof of the Graham Taylor stand um, like a sort of giant party popper had gone off and it obviously detached and all floated down and just instinctively I picked a bit up and put it in my pocket and there's the famous song isn't there it's not our song I, I think Arsenal maybe started it appropriated it from an American war yeah. song she wore she wore she wore a yellow ribbon she wore a yellow ribbon in the merry month of May <laughs> I won't do any more than that and Every time Watford have had a chance to get to Wembley, I've, I've started that song somewhere. The last time I started it was at Upton Park, three days before the semi-final against Crystal Palace. Um, yeah, against Crystal Palace. Um, and so I picked up instinctively this little piece of yellow ribbon and I kept it in my pocket. And uh, a few days before the semi-final against Wolves, I was walking to a tube station in London and I reached for my train ticket in my pocket and I pulled it out of my pocket and it fell on the ground and, and blew along and for a moment I thought oh it's just a bit of litter just leave it and then I thought no no there's some significance attached to this piece of ribbon already so I kind of cartoonishly stumbled after it took a couple of goes to get a hold of this ribbon um, and I kept it and now of course I've got to keep this ribbon because it went to Wembley with me it's in my pocket before the Arsenal game it'll stay in my pocket until uh, May the 18th and I'm thinking that this this is this is better than Jesus Aguero, uh, Raheem Sterling. This ribbon is the key to the cup final. Where where is this? Is, it's better than the, the the first semi-final. I think was number five in the list, and number one was the two nil at home, at Wembley mm. uh, to get us promoted uh, for the first time to the Premier League, not the first time to the top division in '99. Where would you put this one? If I had to push you. I think it has to be... This is the thing about... If you rank all the Watford games, it, there's a subjective element to it, of course. And, yeah, you're right. The Bolton playoff final 20 years ago was number one when I wrote the book. And the reason it was number one at the time was because it was the old Wembley. Graham Taylor's kind of, uh, you know, return to the, his rightful place on, on the pedestal that we, we've always held him on reaching the Premier League in an era where clubs like Watford were supposed to be kind of elbowed out of the way by the, the elite and so yeah that was the top game I've got to say I think not just because it's so fresh in the memory but the, the way you know winning at Wembley against Wolves having been 2-0 down with what 11 minutes to go um, Delefeo's first goal I mean it's, his, his ankle is basically not 
connected to his foot or his leg when he flicks there's no there's no effort in that flick is there and the ball just sails over and at the time I was cursing because it was bloody typical the cons- <laughs> the consolation goal that is absolutely no consolation whatsoever yeah, yeah, yeah. then in injury time we I'd given up really by this point I was kind of a husk at that stage thinking well we've not it's not been as bad as the Palace games the playoff final and the semi-final in the FA Cup but we haven't done ourselves justice here we we didn't play too badly but we haven't done ourselves justice and then the challenge in the area and Deeney kind of you know Deeney's hard to knock over Mm. you know and he doesn't dive and so I was like heart in you know heart in mouth Um, I could feel my heart beat in my ears Referee points to the spot quite slowly. Yeah. Then there's a pause. I would say dramatically, and he <laughs> knew it. It's Michael Oliver, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. From the Leicester game. I mean, this is just too much for my <laughs> tiny brain to take in at this point. Um, then the pause for VAR. And VAR, a weird afternoon with VAR anyway, with the kind of strange detached voice telling us it wasn't a red card. When I was like, well, hang on, that was like three minutes ago. So we wait for that. And then when we know it's a penalty it's like crumbs we've now we've got to wait for him to put the ball on the spot and I somebody said on either a forum or on Twitter how grateful they are that they couldn't see at the time Deeney close his eyes and take that breath because we were all doing that but he put the ball on the spot I was confident if I was a Wolves fan I'd be thinking he is not going to miss this but obviously everything that we're all tied up in it and then Again, from that point, a neutral would say there's only one winner of this game. And if you watch it back at you know extra time, there is only one winner of the game. Yeah. Wolves did have a bit. But then Delafeu's second goal, goodness me. I mean, we were talking about it um, after the game. John Barnes, probably the most technically gifted player ever to play for Watford. But Delafeu, I, I think, matches or, or even surpasses. I mean, the... the the economy of movement and the speed, the, the way he just... I don't know whether that Wolves defender's quick or not, but he just made him look like Peter Shirtliff <laughs> from, like, 1995 <laughs> Division One Wolves, frankly. And, um, you know, again, John Ruddy, he just had John Ruddy's feet in the wrong position, or the right position, to open up that little space, just with, again, it's an imperceptible body movement, and then put it in the net. And then it was just a horrible countdown, wasn't it? Yeah. And I said afterwards... For a 120-plus minute game, I think I probably enjoyed about 90 seconds of it. But it's all about the result yeah. and everything that was, uh, you know, released on the on the final whistle. We got this is this. I feel it's good now. I'm getting this out of my system for a good couple of weeks with this conversation, Lionel. It's going to help. But on the podcast last week, Colin said um, about Havi. You know, in the if if he does win this trophy. Um, he wouldn't not necessarily surplus Graham Taylor he would in the in the micro he said but not in the macro mm. um, and do you think that's a good thing for the football club in terms of you know not to to, to, to have someone else not just Graham and that you know that not, not, not that he's a shadow over us and over anything but that sort of you know such a massive character Graham always said, uh, right up to when he died, that he his genuine hope for Watford and for all the clubs that he managed. Well, I, I mean, it's not quite the same at the other clubs, but his genuine hope was that Watford would one day go on and surpass what they achieved. Now, to surpass the league position, they've got to win the championship. Now, that's that's going to be difficult. 
But winning the FA Cup is not beyond the realm of possibility. And as I said at the beginning, it's one of the best, most realistic chances of writing something in really indelible ink into the record books. We had a little chat on our WhatsApp group. Where does this put this season? You know, what's the best ever Watford season? It probably is 1982-83, finishing runners-up in Division 1. The second best, 1983-84, playing in Europe, reaching the FA Cup final and finishing 11th. Then it's this season. Mm. And if we win a trophy, it is really... It's debatable whether winning a trophy surpasses finishing runners-up in the old first division. And you've got to say, if they win a trophy and finish anywhere in the top 10... These are these are the 1980s again in Technicolor. We're we're living it. It is the most remarkable of times. So, yeah, it's difficult not to get carried away and a little bit breathless about it. But in a historical context, this is pretty much as good as certainly anyone under the age of under the age of 40 has ever seen it. I mean, there's no two ways about it. John, your first game was what 86, 86, 87. So you saw that season finishing ninth in the first division and reaching a cup semi-final I would say this season is better not just because the Premier League is harder now than than the first division was then but we won our semi-final so automatically this season is better and that season 86-87 was one of the ones that I kind of hold in my mind's eye as being the glory days well the glory days are back they are back and by the way People get saying, I don't want to get too carried away. I'm bloody getting carried away. I'm totally getting carried away with this. Just, I'm, I'm, I've never, FA Cup final, I'm, I want to have, you know those pictures people share, like, in their gardens, all the, all the, you know, the hats and the scarves and the everything. That, that is what I want on May the 18th. We've already planned our cup final day. We're going to have a team photo beforehand. <laughs> my, my yellow ribbon will probably be set in some kind of uh, resin or plastic by then <laughs> uh, with a plinth. Some kind of engraved plinth. I mean, any cup final merchandise I will be purchasing in triplicate. Um, one to use, one to store, one to store in storage, just in case. Um, yeah, what you can't not get carried away. And I, I see, I do see the kind of the the kind of oh well, we're going to get thumped by City. So what's the point? I mean, that isn't the point. That is so far from the point. Yeah, we'll see what happens on May the 18th. But anyway, there's a game tonight uh, in that silly Premier League. <laughs> Getting in the way of our cup final fun. Uh, let's go to Vicarage Road. A podcast made by Watford fans, fans for Watford fans from the rookery end. Well, Premier League. What's the point of it now? Who cares? Um, that was uh, that was Watford nil. Arsenal won. And only one after a, a red card after 11 minutes. We'll get to that in a second. Uh, but I'm joined now by Michael. Hello. And Jason. Hello there. And uh, well, actually, let's, let's go on to it straight away. We were already 1-0 down. Ben Foster, um, slight mistake, took a one step away from the player of the season trophy, maybe, uh, depending on when the votes uh, kick off. But Jason, Troy got sent off in the 11th uh, minute. And we've been able to see a couple of replays, thanks to some uh, in-game replays on Twitter. Was it? It's it's a difficult one, isn't it? I'm going I'm to go through my thought process. So, so yeah, like you say, we've had a, a quick look at a couple of replays. And... He sort of runs along and it looks like he moves his arm to the side towards the the, the uh, to Torreira, wasn't it? Um, now, 
uh, I suppose the overarching point is is that if you do that, you're giving the referee or the linesman a decision to make. Next point coming up. So play carries on. So the referee hasn't seen it because if he had seen it and he thought it was a red card offence, he would have had to have stop play immediately and given a red card so he's not seen it so obviously the linesman has seen something brought it to his attention and then given a red card now we then went into a, a debate and we on on whatsapp about whether it should or shouldn't have been and it's one of those 50 50 the linesman has seen it and he's given it if uh, mike's had the, the same thought as me if if that then goes to var there's no clear and obvious error on that decision that would say overturn it but I think next year, when you've got VAR, if that happens next season, the referee or the linesman don't make that decision. They have a chat and they say, right, let's have a look at VAR to see if it is an obvious red card and you don't get a red card. We're, of course, going to say it wasn't a red card and it, didn't, it doesn't feel like a red card. And if you ever put me in part of the you know, referee's job is to manage a game, you know, we're already 1-0 down. And the fact that you know, a red card was... Well, it wasn't as bad as we thought, but we'll get on to that again in a minute. But it was a red card for Troy Deeney against Arsenal where tensions are high. And, and he, he, we'd had a couple of decisions that he, would, he clearly agitated Troy, Mike. Yeah, definitely. This is his game, isn't it? He loves playing against Arsenal. I thought the atmosphere was, was red hot tonight. I think it started off, the, the crowd was as, as noisy as I've heard them ever since. It felt quite... Not celebratory, I don't think everyone was packing and patting themselves on the back about getting to Wembley, but there was a definite sort of right, we're gonna enjoy our we're gonna enjoy ourselves and we're gonna take on a side here that, that we think we can we can beat. As it turned out we, we probably should have done. I think Troy was definitely in his zone. He was he was ready to take it to Arsenal, which I think is right. We saw tonight how you know, let's not beat around the bush. Arsenal were absolutely, you know, this isn't, excuse me, this isn't sour grapes in any way, shape or form. Arsenal were absolutely feeble. That was an absolutely appalling Arsenal side um, that didn't threaten us anywhere on the pitch. Uh, and even at 10 men, you still felt like Watford were going to, were probably going to get something out of the game. So knowing Arsenal are, are as, as, as uh, what's the word, sort of, they're weak, yeah. basically. That's their first clean sheet away from home, which is, which is frustrating from our point of view. But the point is, we're right to get at them. That's the right game plan they we knew we were going to be like that little bit disappointed um, from Troy in Troy in as much as he was clearly aggravated by Granite Xhaka's histrionics early on where he just collapsed under well it wasn't even a challenge he just went down um, and you thought here we go again you know it's no wonder that Arsenal are crap at defending they're obviously never allowed to practice tackling because <laughs> if any of the you know any player gets tackled they're I mean it is genuinely pathetic but that put a, a bee in, in Troy's bonnet then you, you conveniently skirted over Ben's, Ben Foster's mistake. It was a terrible mistake. It was a real clangor. I've been waiting for it because, you know, whenever anyone outside the club asks us for a, a views on who's your player of the season, Ben Foster's come close. What an incredible signing. He's been, he's been brilliant all season. And every time I say it about a keeper, I think, I'm setting him up for a fall. It's going to be a mistake soon. And, and finally it's come, hasn't it? And it's been a very, very costly one. So I don't, we don't need to exonerate Ben Foster too quickly because that was a... That was a balls up and that and ultimately has cost us dear that exacerbated Troy Deeney's bad mood mm-hmm. and then he's done that little and Jason said there's, it's, it's, it's 50-50 um, there's one one angle that makes that look like a sending off out of the 10 that you'll probably see on Sky Sports and that's the one the linesman had mm-hmm. so you could argue he's been unlucky in as much as the line of sight that the linesman has has made it look as bad as it could 
but don't move your arm like that because it was a slight unnatural. He was running along and it was a slight unnatural movement. It wasn't a red card, it was a yellow card. But don't give them the decision to make, especially when you've been making your presence felt all over the pitch in the referee's ear, complaining almost non-stop for, for five minutes. So I have sympathy for Troy in as much as probably nine times out of ten, that's never going to be a red card. But also, cool your boots, we're ten minutes in, uh, we're doing well, the atmosphere is good against an Arsenal side that are pretty much there for the taking. Take a step back, be the bigger man and, uh, and, and take one for the team, suck it up. He has got a bit of history with Torreira, hasn't he? I think he, um, he had a, a, a bit of a spat with him at, uh, at the Emirates. Um, so perhaps no surprise to see him uh, put him on his backside there. So a little bit disappointed. I understand why, why Troy feels hard done by because, like I say, nine times out of ten, perhaps even 99 times out of 100, that's, that's not going to be a red cup. The best thing about that game, the best thing about that game, even it, though it was a loss, was the fact that how Watford reacted. And that's something we can take forward. And yes, as Mike said, Jason... Arsenal were terrible, um, but let's have a look at that sort of d- defensively. Never gave up and never kept giving in terms of attack. From you know, so Messina, Cathcart, Cabaselli, and Denzel. And yeah, well, yeah, I, yeah. So firstly, Arsenal. I agree. Not say great. It's probably the worst Arsenal team I think, and worst Arsenal performance I've seen at Vicarage Road. They, they were they were poor, um, and yeah. So yeah. The Watford performance was fantastic, and and Daryl Yanma sort of playing on the or what started as a, a sort of the right side of a of a back three. When we were down to ten men, and certainly in the second half where we needed to try and find gaps to try and create something, he played that that role that he plays best, which is that kind of inverted right wing back role where he sort of starts wide and then sort of cuts inside between full back and defender. And and you could see he was absolutely shattered a number of times when there was a break in play where he was down on his haunches or even when he was sort of getting the crowd going at some point, one point in the second half and he was like lifting his arms up but you could see the pain on his face, he was absolutely <laughs> shattered but he kept on going and he kept running at them and he caused some problems they they looked worried about the, sort of the runs he was making, they weren't sure how to deal with him yeah. But Messina um, rattled the, the post but also great performance Yeah I thought he, he was the one that you think well we're going to miss, the, obviously there's some big misses, Delefeu and, uh, and Pereira missing today so a big uh, chunk of creativity missing there but Holobas was the one that I felt we'd miss you know that extra little bit of crunch against against Arsenal we've mentioned their sort of lily-livered nature um, was in evidence again tonight thought we'd miss Holobas's uh, defensive abilities but also his uh, also his assists and his, his getting forward and I think we did I think there's no there's no denying Messina isn't at Holobas level but we're seeing the best Jose Holobas that we've we've seen at, at Watford this year so that's that's not a big one and I think yeah he, he, he played admirably um, I thought with with Cabaselli in, in that back line, I think it always does look a little bit more haphazard. Um, but I thought, you know, Messina, he, he did well. I thought, and, and obviously that, that shot, he set himself, I've seen a couple of replays, the way he just moved his body and got himself in line. I thought, oh, I'm not there, mate. Come on, we need to build. We need to create a good chance. And that would have been, I don't know about goal of the season, that would have been uh, goal of the decade. And he hit the crossbar, not the bar. It was, a, oh, yeah. it was a, not the post, but it was yeah, an absolute howitzer and the keeper beating all ends up. I think well, what we did see um, tonight was Messina's pace, and I think he, he what he did well tonight was using his pace then to find the gaps on the left hand side, and we played some pretty good balls out to him in finding the space and then yeah getting into good areas where we did miss Jose Holabas tonight was the set pieces because our set pace delivery was awful, and when when you're up against yeah when you got ten against eleven 
and you get opportunities from set pieces you really need to make those counts and to waste pretty much every single one is very very disappointing that was quite hard Jose has been known to do that though hasn't he it was very <laughs> for many his delivery with the with the corners was, was bad wasn't it and it was a bit, a bit Jose-esque but I think you know I think perhaps Messina has been been unfairly tarnished with that Anfield brush I think because he, yeah. he was exposed there wasn't he but I'll always remember um, his performance at Milton Keynes in the Tottenham game in the in the cup he looked, and, and as Jay said his pace was was on evidence tonight and it was he looked a real good player then so I don't think we need to be too I think we've been quite dismissive of Messina and sort of his shoulders slump a bit when you see him in the side I think there's quite a player there um, he's definitely not Jose but I think there's a really good player there and uh, yeah he caused he caused trouble tonight I and mean, I just echo what you said John the way they all kept going it was hard work you know you've got 10 men um, you're gonna there's gonna be gaps to plug and you're gonna end up chasing and covering but they all do it don't they and We've talked and we've spoken week in, week out this year about the the team spirit and the ethic and the work ethic in this in this group. They showed it at Wembley to, to claw back a seemingly impossible decision. They weren't able to turn it round today. But what I loved was that they were flat on their back at the end of that game. They'd given everything and they were clearly disappointed that they didn't get anything they that they deserved out of that game. And just even when you think, oh God, one nil down after ten minutes, ten men down, ten down to ten men after eleven minutes against a team like Arsenal the easy thing is to think well there's no way back from that not a bit of it from these boys um, and another hugely you know you could tell you know the reception they got as they, as they came off the pitch standing ovation from, from these three sides and um, yeah Watford by far the superior side for, for, that, for the entire match for the entire match uh, Andre Gray was sort of left up in his own um, and definitely really went up on his own uh, towards the end of the game um, his heavy touch was there for one one moment in particular, which was like ah, oh. came to him very quickly. That it, 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 it was very, very, very. After yeah. seeing the genius ball he had uh, the last home game, it was a, it was a little bit more. Uh, oh no! Can I can I just say? But well, we're outside the Hornet shop, and there's the big road to Wembley banner, and uh, Harry's at the top there in the in the Wembley arch, and along the bottom is some of our, our Watford heroes. And I've just noticed that there's two Etienne Capou um, images. <laughs> Um, and two Andres as well. Two Andres, but I think they're, they're having two Etienne Capou uh, images is particularly um, pertinent because I thought it was what, another extraordinarily disciplined, um, mature, energetic performance from from Capou tonight. I think what what a player we, he's been this year for us. And you know, Decore was a bit more bobbing all around the place, having to work. Capou was absolutely. He he sort of assumed, I think, the captain role today. He was the leader out there today, and we haven't had that from Capou. I've been one of his harshest critics over the years. How he how he's a fair weather player, but up against it tonight, which is when we've asked him to perform, I thought it was absolutely brilliant. So looking at that um, that banner there, how much we would have done with uh, two Etienne Capous on the pitch? How much Arsenal would have hated that? They're all the goal scorers, aren't they, from the running? Uh, That's what it is. Hughes, Deeney, yes. Gray, success. Capu, but then why Gomez is on there? Did he score a goal? I don't remember him scoring a goal. Capu <laughs> uh, and uh, Andre. Anyway, I didn't just notice that. Um, so that's number one. <laughs> <laughs> but Andre was running his hardest, and success came on to try and offer something different up front. Um, do you think you could, like, say, put it onto them, or do you think having that little bit less creativity behind them might have given us a some bit more of a zing to get back in that game, Jason? I. I, I, I like the way we set up at the start. So when we had eleven men on the pitch, that sort of three-five-two, we looked a lot more. Looked like there was a lot more solidity in midfield, um, and it, and there was going to be a battle in that midfield because of Granite Xhaka being there. Then when we went down to ten men, it was a tough ask for Andre, wasn't it? But he, he gave his all. He 
he was up against some pretty solid centre-backs and there were times where he was trying his hardest to battle and he wasn't giving up, he wasn't getting beaten in the air easily, but... I think it was just 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 too big an ask for him potentially. He was sort of trying to turn centre backs, trying to get behind them, and he was still getting. And I apologise, going to sound like a broken record, but he's still getting into the positions where he's going to get chances. Or if his first touch is better, like you say tonight, he's going to have a chance. So it just wasn't quite there for him tonight, but a, a good effort. Huge shift, and and you asked the question, John, whether that was the right thing to to bring Isaac success on, and it did blunt us slightly in terms of our. We did sacrifice a little bit of guile. For for another man up top but it absolutely had to be done at that stage we had to try and and do something I thought initially the first sort of couple of minutes after success came on it looked like we were reverting to to trying to go long which is never really going to work against you know Arsenal's defence is pretty poor but what they can gobble up is is aimless long balls you know Koscielny will stand there and nod those away um, until this time tomorrow night with his eyes shut so I was a bit worried but you know he, he did grow into the game I think there's a lot I, the, big, the big frustration for me with success is his decision making and when he's in when you're a forward advanced player you need to be making good decisions and playing good balls and I think more often than not we get a bad final ball from him and that's when when moves broke down but Javi's trying something different, wasn't he? That's he had to do. He had to do something, and I like the fact that he he came on. He gave Arsenal something else to worry about. A fresh pair of legs, something else for Andre Gray to play with. You know, Andre put in an absolutely astonishing shift. Really, um, didn't stop trying. There was no no flailing around, no histrionics. You know, if that was the other way around, if that was a Bamiang or one of the Arsenal players, um, or perhaps some of the Watford strikers we've had in in history. You know, they're just shoulders down, arms up when the ball doesn't land at their feet. None of it from him. Um, and he and he kept going. So I think it was a right decision from Javi to bring bring success on. Um, you know, I, th- I still think there's a player there. He can he can cause damage. I think I just like to see him develop that footballing brain a little bit more. Something we haven't mentioned about Andre is the penalty he probably oh, should have yeah, had yeah. in the first half. This this of all obviously the, 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 we're not too happy as a group of fans about the the referee and performance tonight. We don't like to talk about it too much, but. The one thing that frustrated me, a clear push on Andre Gray in the penalty area by Leno. Nothing given. Another corner. Referee walks up to Leno and has a word with him. So why has he had a word with him? If he had seen that push, why is he not given a penalty? That really frustrated me. The way Arsenal are, are refereed is is quite extraordinary. I remember hearing an interview with um, with Tim Vickery, the the South American football expert, talking about Neymar and talking about his histrionics and why he he does what he does. And Neymar believes he shouldn't be tackled. Neymar believes there should be no contact, and he genuinely believes that. And that's the way Arsenal play football and more often than not it is pandered to by by official I know it sounds petty to say it but some of the some of the decisions that go their way and to be fair the referee completely turned um, turned it around in the second half and didn't give them anything um, but some of the stuff that gets given it's not just them and, and you know we get given soft ones as well of course looking at Delafeu looking at Pereira where you know everyone does it but the way that they are refereed is consistently baffling um, they, they get away with far too much for me and, and I think Jace's point is is a perfect example there it's, it would probably would have been a very very big call for him to make and it's going to be there'd be column inches the next morning if the, if the, if that had been given but he's obviously seen it because he's gone and spoken to him and said can't, you can't do that it's almost like come on mate you can't do that but, you know, <laughs> don't do that out of the side of his mouth and I find it I find it very very hard to watch I find and if you know that 
you have to earn the right to play play like that. And we're talking far too much about Arsenal here. Arsenal don't earn the right to play like they think they should. They, they, and yeah, I just think they, they refereed very sympathetically, shall we say. From the rookery end. Up north we go on Saturday. Uh, we're all off for a little bit of a road trip. Um, Huddersfield Town and, and you know even before this game started I was thinking okay so how's well, I suppose when I saw the team today in fact he was resting Delafay, he was resting Pereira always Harry sort of thinking ahead you know to, to build uh, a, a deeper more played more experienced squad ready for the final slash if anything badly goes wrong I mean why why not play why 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 drop both Delafayu and Pereira today injured I think they're both injured. I think both of them. Yeah, well, I think Delafay has certainly got a knock, hasn't he? And I think. Pereira... Anyway, imagine if it wasn't for that reason. <laughs> uh, imagine it was for like, oh, well, let's see what we can do. How we could do, do differently. What do you want to get out? What do you want to get out? Apart from three points and a good three-goal cushion, what do you want? What do you think he wants to get out of a game away at Uddersfield Town? Three points. Obviously, that's that's that, that's. I know it's a boring answer. Yeah, but that's the squad. That's the first. That's the first. The first aim will be second thing then. So second aim is to and. Like Mike says, it could be that they're injured. Mike, I wasn't sure. Was it because they're injured? Obviously, Pereira, there was a doubt about him before the um, semi-final. Delafeo went off during the semi-final, having come on. Um, but equally for me today, it could have been. It could have just been the tactics, the way we were set up and the way we were playing. Because how do you... Maybe you'd started Delafeo up front with, with Dini, but are they more of a natural striking partnership than a, a Dini and a Gray? Dini and Gray probably be- play better as a two rather than Delafeo and Dini sort of a, a, a false nine false ten whatever you want to call it or whatever it is they play um, I think the, the, the three five two suited better the players that were on the pitch than if you'd had Delafeo and Pereira in the team so then what do we do for Huddersfield Huddersfield there's going to be no Troy and I don't think there's going to be a Kapoor either because he, he's, he's picked up another yellow card today so then you've got to change it all again so now what do you do do you Bring Keener in. Is he? Oh no, because he's injured, isn't he? He's, he's got his sling, got yeah. he's got his shoulder problem. So, Chalaba, is this a chance for Chalaba? So this, yeah. So this is this could be a a big big opportunity for him to to get in the side and, and stake his claim. I think uh, you can but see Tom's him, still out. Tom Cleverley's still out. So, ooh, yeah. So you can see him start in the same way, maybe with a three five two, play success and Gray as a as a front pair. Um, Messina, as we've said, has done enough today to sort of yeah that that, that wing back role was brilliant. The back three, I think, were were good enough today to uh, to sort of keep them. Question maybe over Firmino as, as to how well he played today, but how much of that was down to the fact that we were down to ten men? Did that make life a little harder for him because there maybe wasn't as much freedom for him to move up and down the the right hand side? I don't see any reason to to change the tactics. Of course. What I've got no idea is how Huddersfield have been playing over the last few weeks, whereas Javi will, and he again might change it again to to suit the way that they play. Well, I, I do. I wholeheartedly subscribe to what what's been coming out of the training ground this week, which is Javi is not he's part of the FA Cup final, and I believe that. I don't. I don't for one minute think that he'd be um, thinking about rotating the team or squad with one eye on the cup final. Absolutely not. I don't. I just don't. I don't buy it. I believe in uh, in what he says. Um, I think he'll. Jason's 
pointed out quite correctly there that we've got issues now. We've got suspensions, we've got injuries, so he will have to rethink it. But I don't. Th- I think that will solely be down to, to fitness. I don't think it'll be down to, to changing it for the for the cup final. There is absolutely no desire to to let up on this Premier League campaign. You can tell it was there today. The the intensity was there in the crowd. I thought it was a fantastic atmosphere for the first 20 minutes or so. Probably one of the loudest I've heard it this season so so fair play to the Watford faithful all three uh, all four sides uh, joining in with chance which was which was great to hear it hasn't always been the case so um, there's a ne- definitely intensity there amongst the fans the fire's still burning in us to see us do well in the in the Premier League you know there's Wembley signs everywhere but that's not for a while yet we've got our eyes on on finishing high up in the in the Premier League and if you know having this battle for seventh is, re- is genuinely really really exciting and I'm I'm up for it I know you guys are and, and, the, and the players certainly will be too and one man who without any question is 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 Javi Gracia he'll be he wants to finish as high in the league as possible stating the obvious I know but there's no way he's going to fiddle around with with one eye in the FA Cup obviously we go you know obviously it's there we can't ignore it but league 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 every time and he'll he'll be looking to to dismantle Huddersfield as you know we play like that we should have we should have no difficulty there finishing seventh guarantees us a place in Europe doesn't for any of the other teams that are competing for it so yeah why wouldn't you go for the league points because we know we finished seventh we got a place in Europe hello do love a trip <laughs> to Europe thank you very much for listening uh, thank you uh, for all the listens uh, to the podcast we did after the semi-final you do like it when uh, listen to it a bit quicker uh, when we uh, win again um, but uh, we're back uh, on Saturday with our little away trip to uh, the John Smith's Stadium. I've never been there, Mike. Have you been there? I've been past it. <laughs> have you drunk some John Smith before? <coughs> I've drunk John Smith before, yeah. I might have a drop on Saturday, you never know. I've got a 100% record at uh, Huddersfield. Oh, yeah? Watch 1 1 1. Well, there'll be two, hopefully, on Saturday. Thank you very much, Mike. Hey, you're more than welcome. <laughs> thank you, Jason. Thank you. And thank you to Lionel uh, for earlier on uh, looking back at that semi final. Uh, remember, the final is still to come. Thank you very much for listening to Fun the Recruit. Come on, yours.